Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins, and welcome, Ball Stars one and all, to another episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast. And it's it's a doozy this week. We've got plenty of sports to talk about, so let's just jump right into some world football action. Premier League reaches match day 24, and we see some big-name clubs fall and falter somewhat unexpectedly, but also maybe the shadow was creeping up on this wall and we saw it coming? Well, yeah, Liverpool has been inconsistent all season, and they're the team right off the bat that jumps out. You think of teams dropping points, you think of teams in the Premier League that are starting to kind of fall, starting to kind of slip a little bit. Liverpool's definitely at the top of the list, and yet you wonder why. I mean, yes, the injury happened to Virgil van Dijk, the, you know, Joel Matip, also Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez. I, I understand, but their problems are not all defensive. You know, Allison is making mistakes from the goalkeeper position that he just doesn't usually make. And in the forwards, they're not converting like they did the last few years. And, and maybe some of that is related to Allison. They relied so heavily on his distribution from the back that just hasn't been there. But you look at Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane, and that whether it's the spark is gone, whether it's teams have seen enough film and game plan enough for them, it just seems like we're not seeing Salah or Mane in the open space, dazzling moves on defenders, and slotting shots past the keeper. And that's what made this team tick. Yeah, and the fact that they haven't been able to ex- execute their game plan going through the middle, using their midfield... Well, yeah, and, you know, big summer signing, Tiago Alcantara leaving Bayern Munich. Where's he been? I know he had the injury, but even since he's been back, it seems like he's just been a non-factor. Really, Diego Jota has been the bigger signing, and even then, he kind of fell off a cliff. He was the hottest player maybe in the world at one point this season. Gone. Yeah. And so uh, you wonder what Jurgen Klopp's going to do. Not to take away from Leicester, it was an impressive win. Jamie Vardy really showed up. But all of those goals just seemed to be more Leicester capitalizing on Liverpool mistakes and not beating them like you should have to do against the defending champions. True. Well, we see one team at the top of the table, Man City, continues to roll with a 3-0 gutting of the Tottenham Hotspurs. Spurs, again... Not getting very much goal production. Not an easy task to go to do against the city side, but you would hope this would be more of a, a little bit of a contest. Yeah, it is pretty surprising to say the least. I mean, Jose Mourinho came to this team, and it seems like they just forgot how to score. Like, Harry Kane and Wengman's son obviously are still immense talents, but compared to the side back when... Pochettino was there. It's just, it's no comparison. Yeah. No, I mean, guns have gone completely silent, and that's after adding a goal-scoring talent like Gareth Bale. Exactly. There's no offense. There's no creativity. It seems like they know how to do one thing and one thing only, and that's collapse, park the bus, and play defensive Mourinho-style football, which, granted, yes, you can squeak out a goal on the counterattack with Huang Min Son and with the class that you have there. You have a lot of pace with Lucas Mora, with Steven Bergwine. I mean, there there are options, but nah. that's not a way to win football. And with the payroll that they have, with the stature that they have, it just doesn't seem like a good fit, especially compared to what this almost the same crop of players were doing just a few years ago. But a team that is really rolling right now, and I'm happy to say it, are my Blues. Chelsea coming off another big win today. Finally seeing Timo Werner break that goal slump in normal passage of play, which was nice. Got to say, Tuchel's really got them playing well. Yeah, they're on an absolute roll right now. They're, I've got four wins straight, and they're unbeaten in their last five. Correct. And that's under him. Remember, the team also did win their last match with Frank Lampard in charge. So, really, team in some solid form right now. They do still have the bigger question, which is my concern with the side, which is they don't necessarily have a starting 11. If you find out Liverpool's coming in this weekend or, you know, next weekend they have to play Atletico Madrid, top of the table, Atletico Madrid. 
sitting atop La Liga right now. Who are the 11 you put on the pitch? Hudson has always been in incredible form. Christian Pulisic, obviously you want him out there. Then you think you have the big money in Havertz. You have N'Golo Kante, Kovacic, who seems to be one of the most reliable box-to-box midfielders on the team. Mason Mount, who's been your biggest creative flair. And then you don't even know what to do up top with Timo Werner being in the slump he's been in. Yes, maybe this goal takes him out of it. but And, and he is the type of player who's electric enough that you, you'd never want to have him off the pitch. But it just seems like there's not a clear-cut starting 11 for this side and despite their recent success and I'm as happy as I am to see it I don't think we're any closer to answering that question no I mean Chelsea's built of a lot of moving parts and you've had enough injury hiccups or concerns I mean Tammy Abraham going down today with what looked like a pretty rough rolled ankle we know that Thiago Silva is going to be out a bit that creates a lot of questions for that back line do they go to the three-man? Do they put Aspi back as one of the center backs? That's always been an effective possible lineup for Chelsea. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but they are in good form, and they're back into Champions League contention in that fourth-place spot on that table. One step down, though, we're looking at West Ham, and West Ham's just been on fire as of late. Jesse Lingard has been a welcome addition to that side. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're in fifth place. They're in a Euro spot right now. Did you, I mean, did you see this coming out of West Ham? I know we know that they've been doing well, but considering where the top of the table tends to be at, do you, did you see them creeping up here? Honestly, no, I didn't. There are so many big clubs in England that even I would call big clubs that aren't even in the big six. I mean, Obviously, you have the Manchester clubs, you have Liverpool, you have Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. But beyond that, I don't even really consider West Ham in that second tier of clubs. I don't consider West Ham there with Leicester City, with Everton, with even teams of late like Wolves or Aston Villa this season. I West Ham, to me, doesn't have the star power. They seem like a team that never is ready to take that jump. And yet right now, they're making me want to put my foot in my mouth because they're proving me wrong. I mean, they came, they looked incredibly impressive this past weekend. Notching, what was it? I believe a 3-1 or 3-0 victory. I mean... Wasn't that today? Wasn't that earlier today, West Ham playing? You're right. That was a, that was the Monday game. To, the, that all kind well, of it was technically together. yesterday. But uh, a 3-0 victory over, over Sheffield it was on Monday. You're correct. So just... Good for them. I, you know, I like seeing them play this way. I, I wish them well. I always kind of like seeing those, quote-unquote, the little guys up in contention with the big financial clubs. I'd love to see them knock a team like Arsenal or Spurs out of the Champions League. So it could be fun. But it might be interesting. I don't know. It's a, it's a shock. Well, for they, sure. they have a tough road ahead. They do face off against the Spurs and Man City in the upcoming weeks. It'll be tough. We'll go take a look at the Bundesliga now, and it's match day 21. And it was a lot of draws this weekend. Only two teams got wins in their respective games, Red Bull Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt. Getting the full points out of this matchup, and Red Bull Leipzig pulls within five points shy of that title spot that Bayern so comfortably is holding on to. Yeah, I mean, big results out of Germany for the weekend. Some dropped points by Bayern Munich opens up the opportunity for those teams immediately following to kind of claw up, make a little bit of ground back. Obviously, Leipzig taking the most advantage of it, but teams like Dortmund, obviously. I mean, granted, title contention is pretty much out the window at this point for that side, but... Anytime the big boys lose, you want to try and capitalize. And it was unfortunate that despite the late gift to Erling Holland, they were still not able to clinch victory from the claws of er, from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, I mean the Stormont side is rough. They've got one win in their last five. It's been it's been tough to watch because they have so much talent and because they start Julian Brandt in the starting eleven. But I think the bigger story of the of the draws this weekend comes from Bayern's today on Monday escaping Armenia with a 3-3 draw that had to be salvaged 
It was a snowy game for the Spiron side, and it looked like they got very sloppy. Yeah, I mean, falling down early, they end up managing to claw their way back into things. Salvage with the 3-3 three to three draw, but really, it could have been way worse for this team. Really could have. It, it, you're right, sloppy doesn't even begin to tell the story. But when you have world-class talent and you have a world-class payroll, you're usually able to get yourself out of some pretty tight situations, and that is exactly what the Munich side did. Well, and there was several nil-nil draws this weekend in the Bundesliga, but I think no teams will be happier with that result than Union Berlin facing off against Schalke ending nil-nil because both sides looked like they could have given up goals at any moment, but neither did. Yeah, they've been looking like that all season. Two sides, obviously, in that relegation fight. Well, Schalke is. Schalke is. Yeah, Union Berlin. Is in ninth right now. They're doing fine. They're doing fine. That's true. But Schalke definitely struggling this season, so really would be happy with any result they can get. And Union Berlin is really, despite their success, a very low-scoring team. They're a defensive-oriented kind of... Set-piece team. Similar to what Sheffield United did last year. Yeah. Getting, Getting the goals when they can off, you know, possession play. It will be interesting to see how this shakes out, though. But we can move over to your second favorite league as we see a switch at the top of the table for the first time in a long time. Yeah, a big change at the top as Inter Milan surpassed their crosstown rivals, AC Milan. On match day 22. Exactly. It was a big weekend. It was a big weekend for... Both Milan sides, but Inter with their huge matchup against Lazio, another team that's really been in great form of late. I think they I mean, won they their last won, six. Exactly, won six in a row. We're just surging, and yet Milan puts their foot down, puts a stop to that huge game out of Romelu Lukaku, who has just been phenomenal. Really, I mean, there's he, no other there's no other way to describe it. Phenomenal. He's been scoring on pace with Cristiano Ronaldo, and anytime you do that, you are having a hell of a season. Exactly. He nets two goals in the first half. Latar Martinez gets one in the second. Inter gets out of there with the three one victory. Milinkovic Savic being the only scorer on Lazio. However, I think the bigger news here, as you said, is really what's going on in the table. As we see Inter Milan at the top of the table for the first time in, I think it's been several years now uh, since they've been at the top of the table. And besides the two Milan clubs, there is a seven point or six point, seven points from first, six points from second place difference between those two and third. So there is a nice little cushion. Because really, the question is going to become whether or not Juventus is going to be able to claw their way back into contention here. Obviously, having won it, what, nine, ten years in a row at this point? Exactly. It's been. Obviously, people may have their affiliations toward Inter Milan or AC Milan, but there is just a big group of fans that is curious to see Juventus or not Juventus. So that'll be really interesting to watch. And yet. They were also in action this weekend. Juventus had a big matchup against another top-of-the-table side in Napoli. Uh, The matchup between the current fourth and fifth place, and Napoli escaped with the 1-0 victory. They end up moving ahead of... uh, drawing... or yeah, no, moving ahead of Atalanta and Lazio on goal differential. All three of those teams tied at 40 points. And... As a result of this match, it gives Roma the opportunity to leapfrog Juventus up into third place. After they get their 3-0 victory against Udinese. Yeah, so a really exciting weekend in Italy. I think this is going to be a really fun league to watch as it kind of scrambles for a finish. I mean, obviously right now, Inter, both Milan sides, you should say, are... Like I said, do have that cushion, the six and seven point cushion between them and third place, but ten points separate first through sixth, first through seventh. 
I'm sorry. So all of those big teams, and it's all of the teams you would have expected. Inter, AC Milan, Roma, Juventus, Napoli, Atalanta, and Lazio. Literally, the seven biggest teams from Italy are sitting first through seventh, separated by 10 points total. League's going to be a lot of fun to watch oh, down yeah. the stretch. And it's going. every game's going to count. It's going to be quite intense, and I am looking forward to it. But we can move over to Spain, to La Liga, where it is, once again, a three-horse race. Yeah, as it tends to be over there in Spain, and we have the two Madrid sides sitting at the top of the table in first and second, and then... Oh, no, Barcelona, rather, is rather... Oh, no, Barcelona I was correct third. the first time. Yeah, Madrid sides first and second, Barcelona in third. Atletico two games in hand and five points ahead of Madrid. And yet, not too much to report here. All three sides keep pace with one another. Atletico squeaks out the 2-1 to one victory over Granada. End up needing a late equalizer in that to, or sorry, a late go-ahead in that to secure the victory. Meanwhile, Barcelona, 5-1 thrashing of Alaves. And then... We got to see two Americans play in that game, too. Yeah, that is always exciting. Conrad De La Fuente and Sergio Dest both getting getting the play time. And then on Sunday, we saw the other of the big three, Real Madrid, secure a 2-0 victory over Valencia. With Karim Benzema and Tony Cruz, some of the old guard there in Madrid, notching the goals. Finally getting some form together. And just real quick, we'll round it out with a little bit of League One talk. PSG has closed the gap to just a couple of points with a 2-1 win versus OG Nice. And Lille remains top of the table after getting yet another... Nil-nil draw against Stadia 29. Yeah, not too exciting there. Again, a lot of the big-name clubs sitting toward the top of the table, getting good results, kind of what you'd expect in most leagues. The payrolls tend to rise to the top, and we're seeing it there. But we have another exciting thing this weekend, or this week that I'm really stoked for, and that is the return of Champions League football we do have two matches tomorrow and i think they should be pretty good first one is red bull leipzig versus liverpool which obviously leipzig one of the powerhouses in germany liverpool one of the powerhouses in the prem two high scoring sides two sides with a lot of talent and i'm inclined to say liverpool gets the win here, at least moves on from the group, in, is my inclination. As much as they have been struggling domestically, and as good as Leipzig is, I just have this gut feeling that we do see the German side, or sorry, the English side, prevail past the German side. Don't know for sure. Maybe we'll have some more to talk about in between the first and second legs, but that's just my gut reaction. What about you? I think we see the best of PSG tomorrow. I think I think that's going to be the game to watch. I don't I don't think we're going to find anything particularly interesting about the Liverpool Red Bull game. I think Red Bull actually wins it cuz I think Liverpool's just in complete disarray right now. You don't build a defensive scheme together that quickly, especially after you just got torn apart by Leicester City. I don't think that's the matchup. I think we're going to see a I think we're going to see PSG come out, though, and smack around a Barcelona side that just got its tires pumped up a little bit by beating up on Alaves. Another interesting tidbit, while the actual transfer won't take effect until July, two teams we did just mention have been involved in a transfer. Bayern Munich securing the rights of Upamakanos, the French center back, on Leipzig for $38.5 million. He signs a five-year deal, which this is shocking to me. I mean, he seems like a guy that could have sold for upwards of 60, 70 million. Would have likely been going to any club in England. I mean, I imagine Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, you name it. Yeah. Anybody would have happily signed him. And to see him go to a cross-league rival as well as 
for such a staggeringly low price was shocking. But we'll move on to Wednesday's games, which we have Porto versus Juventus on Wednesday. That should be a good one. I'm inclined to say Juventus gets through in that matchup through after the two games, but Porto's capable of the upset. And then, I know this is the one you're excited for. 3 p.m. Wednesday, or dreading, I don't know. Your boys at Dortmund are taking on Sevilla. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting matchup because this is a very controlled, calm side that has its pieces kind of together and has a little bit of a consistent team identity, and Dortmund is not a team with a current identity. I'd like to think that the brightest spotlight is where Dortmund will like to shine, and I think they're going to come out and have a good game, and I think they wind up getting the result. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be like an explosive, fast game. I think it's going to be one that has me biting my nails quite a bit. Well, I definitely think that's a possibility. I mean, there is so much attacking potential with these two sides, but simultaneously so much question marks when you are trying to assess and and really get your finger on the pulse of the defense that this game could literally go any way. It could be a nil-nil draw. It could be a 4-0 blowout. For either side, it could end up 5-4. You know, it, it could could also be one nil. It, yeah. it literally, there's this match has chaos, endless all outcomes. Over it. it has endless outcomes. And just one more piece of soccer news: former Man City star, a personal personal favorite, probably the only player on Man City I've ever really genuinely liked. Yaya Torre has officially ended his player career after his contract ran out. Last year, in January, he will be made the assistant coach of Olympic Dantesk, a Ukrainian football team. Happy trails. Best of luck to you, Yaya Torre. Yeah, big Yaya Torre fans here. Obviously loved that Ivory Coast national team. Enjoyed watching him play in Man City. It's cool when he and his brother were on the same team. Just, yeah, nothing but good things to say about Yaya. Definitely bubbles to the top of my Manchester City all-time favorites, I'll tell you that for sure. Well, let's bring it stateside to some MLS news. We have one headline that definitely worth talking about. The season has been pushed back. It was planned to start on April 7 or April 3rd. It is now going to be held on April 17th, and training camp is expected to start at the beginning of March. Yeah. It is nice to at least have dates in the pipeline. I know it is pushed back. A bit of a bummer. However, it's nice to at least have dates set in stone to look forward to, especially with all of the possibilities of everything being in limbo, not really knowing what was going to happen. Getting the CBA done right under the wire. Exactly. I'll take it. You know what? I will take it. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where... Beggars can't be choosers. No, I will take MLS soccer whenever it hopes to come back, but I'm glad that we've got a date and it's April 17th, and hopefully it stays there. What isn't expected to stay there is the constant level of revenue coming in for these MLS sides, the commissioner announcing anticipation of losses this season up to a billion dollars again. And this is a league that has aggressively been expanding, just adding more clubs this past summer, or this past offseason, I should say, this past winter. This you, is going to be a this is going to be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of these clubs, but money seems to keep flying around. Yeah, you see these numbers thrown out, and I don't want to speculate here, and I don't want to brush them off. I, I would be certain that these clubs are losing money, obviously not having the gate sales then all of the things that come with that, the memorabilia sales, the concessions, the parking, the you name it, the the auctions that they hold beforehand and after with, you know, memorabilia. But I also feel like they just throw these numbers around. You see the John Middleton saying the Phillies lost, what, $3 billion? It's like they're not even worth that much. Obviously, when you're dealing with projected figures, there is room for error. But it seems like a lot of times this is more of almost a strategy for them to 
maybe try and get away with paying their players a little bit less or get away with raising ticket prices when they come back. You know, not being the conspiracy theorist, don't believe a word they're saying, but you feel like, this again, seems like, like you posturing. said. Exactly. It seems like posturing. Uh, notice they just were doing all this negotiations to try, well, we need to come back to the table for the CBA because of the financial changes. Like, exactly. It seems like they're just throwing things out to see what sticks. And that's fine. I have no doubt they did lose money, but virtually everybody on the planet, it seems like, other than that 1%, yeah. lost money during this pandemic. And a couple of Redditors. Exactly. But yeah, pretty much everybody else is having tough times. No surprise that the MLS is facing similar circumstances. Someone facing pretty nice circumstances is Thomas Ponchetto, the Paraguay International, is the first designated player to be signed by FC Austin. Yeah, exciting for the club. The Austin side becomes really one of the first fran sports franchises operated out of the town. They bring in one of their first star players in theory. So that'll be good for him. Boca Juniors, a respectable si uh, team, a respectable franchise, especially you know in South America. Yeah. Should be a good signing for them. Deep academy system. Speaking of academy systems, we see Justin Che from FC Dallas joining Bayern Munich on loan. Don't know if he's actually planning on playing with them. I believe this is more of a Another training, training agreement. Mm -hmm. But still, a great opportunity, and as we've talked about many times helps to increase the reputation of this league, and you can't ask for more. Yeah, and that Dallas, that FC Dallas-Bayern Munich pipeline is thriving. But I tell you, we have one more name that looks like they're going to enhance the reputation of the MLS, and that is the new signing from Orlando City. Yeah, we, we reported on the speculation only because we saw that a contract was offered, and we thought, this is probably going to happen, but... The ink gets dry on the deal. Alexander Pato coming, the Brazilian striker, the pacey, prolific forward, joins Orlando and, honestly, a quite potent attack already. Yeah, that Orlando side is going to be a side to be reckoned with. Nani, Alexander Pato, I feel like we just took a time machine back to 2009. But in all seriousness, a player with an immense amount of knowledge, experience in the game, and I assume that's going to translate. Obviously, at this age, you wonder what he's got left in the tank, mm -hmm. but we've seen a lot of players who seemingly didn't have much left in the tank come over and dominate the MLS. We saw it with Pierlo. We saw it with David Villa. We saw it with David Beckham. We saw it with Didier Drogba. The list could go on and on and on. And so who's to say that Pato can't be the latest of a long line of stars to find success here in the MLS? Yeah, it will be interesting to see. But we will move our way over to the NBA, and there has been a ton of action on the hardwood, ton of great stuff to talk about. And we start with our Philadelphia 76ers, unfortunately, on the wrong side of a streak right now. Yeah. Uh, but that's seems to be kind of normal at the top of the Eastern table with both the Sixers and the Bucks losing three straight games. Yeah, this rush off the heels of a free fall from the Nets. It seems like they're finally getting back on the horse here. They notched a they notched their third win in a row, and so it seems like this is a theme. You know, these teams at the top. People look at enough film, they put together enough pressure, they figure out what the stars are doing, what's making them tick, they figure out ways to stop it. So we imagine the team will get back on the saddle, especially on a tough West Coast road trip, and Joel Embiid dealing with some back tightness. So definitely some excuses for the loss, but you never like to see it, or for the losses, but you never like to see it, especially tonight. A streak. Tonight, tough one against the Jazz. Granted, they are the hottest team in the NBA. This was their eighth straight. You see Ben Simmons putting up 40 points. You see Tobias Harris putting up more than 30. You'd like to think that this team could get the job done. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it is a tall order. And it, was a, it was a close game. They were in it in the fourth quarter. That's all you can ask for sometimes, especially when you're without your star talent. Although, 
On the opposite side of an eight-game streak, the Cavs are winless, and they're looking to trade Andre Drummond before the March 25th deadline. Do you think there's a market out there for a very talented defensive center? Absolutely, especially when you look at some of the injuries that have happened throughout the league. Some of the best big men, maybe defensive big men, have gone down. We've seen injuries in Washington. We've seen now even Anthony Davis with the questionable Achilles tendon issues. You would not be shocked to see a team like the Lakers pull the trigger on a move for a dominant big man like Andre Drummond, who also can get the job done on the offensive side of the floor as well. You have to keep in mind, at some points, he was averaging over 20 points last season. Uh, over the last several years with Detroit, really developed that offensive side of the game. Many times was getting a lot of assists. They were running that offense through him, the whole kick-out offense, big man distribution, kind of like what Jokic has been doing in Denver. And so I think Drummond is going to be an absolute steal to whatever team he goes to, probably gotten at a relatively bargain price considering... I feel like these guys, when they go to these non-contenders, they're kind of just trying to sell off, build their assets, get what they can for them. Mm -hmm. So this should be an exciting one. Definitely the more intriguing of the available options right now, with the other big name being flaunted, being Blake Griffin. Yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin, maybe a decade ago, this might be reverse, but it's kind of fallen off a little bit with Detroit, and now with the uncertainty of his future with the franchise might be on the move what where would you think there'd be a landing spot for someone like Blake Griffin so Blake Griffin that's a tough one you would have to find a team that's looking for that scoring prowess uh, some defensive ability but remember he takes a lot of shots he's not really that talented from range which the NBA has drastically shifted toward three-point shooting and that kind of almost give up on the drive give up the drive for the kickout, and you wonder where he fits. You even wonder if could even Philadelphia be an option. I know he's got a fat contract. I'm even assuming they said buyout might be an option. If he's bought out, I would like to see him maybe in Philadelphia to help on that second team, help with that second team, provide another solid forward presence yeah. beyond Tobias Harris to really help that second unit mesh but not to give up any significant asset for. At this point in his career, Blake Griffin's just not worth that kind of commitment. No. For the injury question marks, for the inconsistency on the court, and you could even argue off the court, not necessarily with any scandals, but it just seems like the effort's not there. He, he hasn't even embodied that veteran leadership role very well, where we saw guys like Elton Brand or the Gasols or all sorts of people be able to really extend several years to their career just by being leaders just by being leaders and yeah. and i you know obviously i'm not there i don't have that firsthand knowledge but so far we it doesn't seem like we're getting that out of Blake Griffin not not quite in the same way one more piece of news from the nba pistons and the spurs were set to play tomorrow but have been postponed due to positive tests in the spurs locker room and them not being able to field enough players due to contact tracing yeah the nba has been pretty consistent with their rulings this season if you have enough players you're suiting up if you don't you can't play i'd like to see them take this really seriously given obviously they have greg popovich one of the older coaches in the league i do know he was already vaccinated he did a psa about it but you still team needs to be taking everything seriously hopefully they're able to get through this get past this and move on get back to the court sooner rather than later but we can skate on over to another league that is whew, struggling to get all their games played right now as the nhl is dealing with at least at the moment the worst COVID outbreak amongst the major sports yep and one team impacted is close to home because the flyers haven't played since february 7th it's been nine days i don't know what to do with myself i'm kind of losing my mind our first two lines are all on the covid list but they're saying they're returning to practice tomorrow and we might even still get our outdoor game so you're saying there's a chance 
that would be exciting. Obviously, we hope our players get well first and foremost. Yes, us watching the games is a big part of our life, a big part of our schedule. I mean, we're two guys that have a sports podcast. So as I'm sure you can tell, consuming the content is a big part of our lives. But even aside from that, these are people, these are young men who do put their bodies on the line day in, day out for their careers. So we hope that this is not a significant risk to any of their healths. But there are some teams that are actually playing. Yeah. And we've seen some really good games. The Vegas Golden Knights continue to be really hot. They did pick up their second loss of the season the other day. But really, after their long break, it seems like they pretty much picked up right where they left off. Even getting a big win over the solid Colorado Avalanche team. And so it does give us some hope that as these teams start to make their way back, they can hopefully not seem like a team that's cold. Yeah, we've had a couple of teams who have been cold. St. Louis Blues have dropped a couple games, one-goal one games back-to-back. It's been a source of frustration in St. Louis. The Washington Capitals have dropped a couple of games, another one-goal games back-to-back, and they're looking to try and rebound. It'll be interesting to see where they go from there. But we have a little bit of trade news, and this one's coming in fresh off the wire just tonight. Alex Galchenyuk has been traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs from the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously a talented two-way forward, a very strong presence in the middle of anybody's lineup. And the Leafs are just bolstering an already extremely talented, deep roster. Yeah, you know, I'm shocked to see a guy like Galchenyuk on the move especially inner division, everything going on right now, the way that the league is broken up. Well, it's not inner division right now. It is. I thought they're both Canadian. Oh, you Carolina said... Carolina You said Carolina. I thought... I was, for some reason, thinking that Galchenyuk was still on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. So I forgot that he went to Carolina. My mistake. It's a big move. It's a big move for the Leafs adding a elite forward like Galchenyuk, can provide scoring, provides playmaking, provides some physicality as he's a little bit on the bigger side. So gives you options in really every aspect of the game that you'd want. And, yeah, continue to bolster that impressive stable of forwards that they have up there in Toronto. We did see a weird instance with Dallas and the Nashville Predators game being canceled due to weather. Yeah. Yeah, in an indoor arena, which normally we don't see. Normally the professionals find a way to get through it. But, alas, here we are. The unexpected snow in Texas, unprecedented, you could argue, snow in Texas led to unprecedented (laughs) cancellations. Yeah, of a winter sport. Interesting to see. We say goodbye to the jersey-wearing Miko Koivu, who is retiring after 16 NHL seasons. Do you have a particular fond memory of Miko Koivu? Not of him necessarily on the ice, per se. However, I used to love playing NHL 14, playing GM Connected, and I would actually always trade for not just Miko, but both of the Koivus. Always had a good time there. It was fun to skate around with, get some good goals. He was always a staple of my online franchises. So, well, honestly, I, I didn't watch enough of his games in person or, or you know, uh, full yeah. games out of market to have any particular goal or moment that I point to and go, oh, that that's the soft spot for Quavu. But it's kind of that sentimental value of, you know, my high school years playing NHL video games, he was a staple. Yeah, I also remember there was a edition of GM mode in NHL 14 where I think you reset 18 times after a season just so he wouldn't retire. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. I kept on him and Timu Solani. I was just going over and over again, reloading the save file to see if the random formula would make it so they wouldn't retire. And you'd be su- surprised how much it worked. I had Team Musilani play until he was like 49 or something outrageous. Yeah, it was interesting to see. And we do see something even more interesting. New, new front office 
folks joining the Pittsburgh Penguins staff, and they're very familiar names. Yeah, we see Ron Hextall getting hired as the GM of Pittsburgh, which that comes as a little bit of a punch in the gut to Philadelphia Flyers fans. And then Brian Burke hired as the president of hockey operations, longtime front office guy, just a major prolific NHL career already, and they go to take controls of a team that has had an incredible last 20 years, but over the last four or five been stumbling a little bit, that kind of old guard of players, dare I say, starting to age out. Yeah, it seems like the writing's a little bit on the wall. I mean, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are only getting older. They've had to filter through any number of stars that they've had come to join the side. They're really looking deep in their AHL reserves and picking out whatever parts they can. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, all dynasties must come to an end, right? Yeah, unless you're the New York Yankees where you can just keep on bankrolling more talent. Oh, yeah, that's always fun. No salary caps. Gotta love it. But we will move our way to our oddball segment, and we have quite a few interesting things to talk about that fall outside of our normal categories right into that little fun oddball gray area. And we're going to start with our boy Chris Hogan, ex-New England Patriots wide receiver. Chris Hogan made a big announcement, despite not retiring from the NFL technically yet, he did declare himself eligible for the Premier League of Lacrosse draft, which is, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, the merger of the two biggest professional men's lacrosse leagues made the Premier League Lacrosse, and we might see Chris Hogan being maybe the most recognizable household name in that league. Yeah. But I tell you, this week for me, sports-wise, has been dominated by something that typically doesn't get that much of my attention. No. And the Australia Tennis Open, I mean, it's been a lot of fun to watch while there were fans in the stands. Now they've had to increase restrictions because of a growing number of positive tests. They've had to cut back on some of the fans, but there have been some absolutely electric matchups coming out of it. Yeah, it's been really a treat for all fans. And I got to say, I was most blown away when... The other night, I watched a uh, Dominic Thiem versus Karios match, and it was the most electrifying atmosphere I have seen in sports. I, I, was, I remember calling you about it. I, was, I, was, I had goosebumps. I was shaking. I, I mean, yeah, the, the local pride and joy, the national pride, Karios there, who was just a, a local legend. I mean, literally, a local legend had the entire arena around him, full crowd, Full full house, not an empty seat. Full nobody's, home field advantage. Nobody's so nobody's social distancing. Nobody's wearing masks. Remember, Australia's had like five COVID cases, and it just kind of had that like Game Seven of the World Series, like Tiger Woods on the 18th, like just genuine crowd noise. Yeah, it, it was just this this roar and this group mentality, uh, this group excitement, this unilateral momentum behind all these people. It was just incredible. And wow, I, even just thinking about it now, I'm getting blown away. And yet, Dominic Thiem, the Australian, or not Australian, the Austrian, managed to weather the storm. Goes down two sets early, and then in one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, just pulls off this insane comeback. Like, insane comeback it was it was earth shattering it was uh it was nuts and so it really made me get into so uh, not soccer really made me get into tennis really made me appreciate this tournament and i've been watching every match since then and that brought me to the other one which if you haven't seen first of all if you haven't seen it look up the dominic dime versus karios it's unbelievable it really is you'll 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 even if you don't appreciate the sport, you will after this. Even if you're not a fan and you don't appreciate the sport after watching it, you'll appreciate the fans because 
uh, it has been left this great, you know, it's left this hole yeah. in, in, in live sports. Which made the Djokovic match even more interesting because Djokovic played the match following that. He was just a couple hours after. And yet, in the middle of that match, Melbourne, the city of Melbourne, had went to go. Into lockdown. Went into lockdown. Exactly. They had to, they evacuated, they demanded every fan in attendance leave. They told the players to stop playing until everybody left. Because it would just encourage people to stay if you keep playing. While they're all here, which is true, I, I, you know that was that was smart logic. We got to give credit where credits due. Makes sense. But wow, it was it was unbelievable to watch, and it ended up having a major impact on the match. Djokovic had been injured, had been really in a free fall up until that point, and then was almost immediately able to kind of gather himself, recalibrate, and stretch out. Maybe yeah, ends up ends up taking the match. But we will move on because there was also some really solid UFC fights this week. Mm-hmm. We saw some really good stuff, and the headliner was Kamar Usman against Gilbert Burns, and wow, that was a treat. Usman continues his reign of just sheer dominance in the weight class. Incredible knockout. I mean, you can't ask for much more out of a pay-per-view event. No. And it'll be very interesting to see him go up against his next challenger. But we can take it to the diamond, take it over to Major League Baseball. We just have a quick roundup of a couple more deals that have been signed in this offseason. Yeah, there were a handful of pretty intriguing deals that were signed this offseason, or in the last week or so. We are approaching... Pitchers and catchers coming up, and we saw a bunch of teams rushing to get a lot of those last-second signings in. Most notably, it was Justin Turner snagging that two-year, $38 million contract to return to the Dodgers at third base. Hopes to retire there. But we also see the Mets bringing in Kevin Pilar and James Paxton returning to the Mariners on a one-year deal. These are all solid Pulls, I mean, you know, guys who were way too good to not be signed coming into the season. So seeing them signed at least makes you feel better about that as a fan. And really, I think we're going to see several more dominoes fall mm-hmm. between now and when the actual season starts. Oh, yeah, this is when this is when things start happening. Pitchers and catchers report over the next couple of days. We're going to get some, some contracts yeah, inked. It's a game of kitchen because really what happens is these players don't get started if they don't really get that time to warm up then they're playing catch up the whole season and we've seen this we when when we've seen big name pitchers hold out big name free agents hold out sign after spring training and then the whole they have a terrible season and it ends up being worse for the player and worse for the team because the team's not getting their return on investment. And the player, the whole reason that they were holding out was to try and maximize their value. And they're normally on a one-year deal for on a kind of try-before-you-buy type contract. And it just ends up looking bad for all parties. So good to see these sides caving. And we hope the game of chicken ends soon between the remaining owners and free agents that are holding out. Only a matter of time. But we are going to move over to the NFL. We have a handful of things to talk about here. And we are going to start with the shocking news today that ex-Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. Ex-Chargers wide receiver. Ex-Chargers wide receiver. Vincent Jackson was found dead today at a hotel in Florida, 38 years old. Still no cause of death released. Not having any sort of news background or, you know, professional input here, but... Mere speculation. Yeah, I, he was he was a relatively young man, thirty eight years old, passing yeah. away in a hotel room. You know, obviously a tragic situation, and we just hope you know the best for his family and and those around him and and his loved ones. Also, in, in news this past week, we lost a, a, another big name in coaching. Marty Schottenheimer passed away after being placed in hospice not long ago. He was 77 years old. Probably coach. Yeah, name that's synonymous with the NFL. I mean, multiple decades, uh, numerous tenures with 
multiple teams, any of which would make somebody happy. You know, you think about the constantly revolving door that is the head coaching carousel in the NFL. It's constant. Anytime you're able to make your mark and stay somewhere for even more than half a dozen years is an achievement. And yet Schottenheimer had that, you know, 10 years that long with several teams, not just one. It's the type of coaching career that would make anybody jealous. Yeah, spending Uh, decades. Yeah, anybody jealous who's not named Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, you know, the all-time greats will miss him. Obviously, his son still floating around the NFL, still... Oh, yeah. The Schottenheimer family will still be... They're going to have their fingerprints all over the NFL for decades to come. But... There's some other things. Uh, happy trails to the Pouncey twins. Yeah, Maurice and Mike Pouncey both taking their NFL careers and wrapping them up in a nice bow. Both center, two twin brothers playing center in the NFL is just, it's a funny concept. You know, there are a couple brothers across the NFL. We have the Watt brothers, we have the Bosa brothers, but two brothers playing the exact same position and playing at such a high level both being pro bowlers, both being all pros during their career. It's an impressive legacy, especially in a position that sometimes gets overlooked, being on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Mike being a, a four-time pro bowler, Marquise getting the nine pro bowls, three first teams, two second teams. I mean, Maurice, Marquise Ponce is more likely than not, I mean, those are Hall of Fame type numbers. Oh, absolutely. Nine all, nine Pro Bowls, three first team, two second team All Pros. I mean, I think that might even be better than uh, than our boy Jason Kelsey's doing. And Jason Kelsey has, yeah, Jason Kelsey's four Pro Bowls, three first team All Pros. So what does that tell you? I mean, Marquise may very well be a future Hall of Fame or Mike Pouncey didn't have the All-Pros. He did have some college All-Pros. He didn't have the NFL All-Pros. But still, several Pro Bowls. uh, And by the way, majority of the time, that's probably because his brother was the one keeping him off the roster. Yeah. So it is, you know, it is exciting. The two twins, both 31 years old, hanging them up pretty early, but after very successful careers. Yeah, they've they've left their mark. They've They've hit their numbers. There was some interesting news coming out of Jacksonville as their head coach. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was under a lot of fire this week for hiring controversial strength strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle, who was previously fired from, I believe it was at Tennessee, Iowa State, State for berating players, racially abusing players, players, uh, abusing or, or... Favoriting white players? Yeah, but he also did something where he he made fun of somebody for having a learning disorder. Yeah, I mean, generally a dick. Yeah, I mean, just an a-hole. And what's crazy is that after being questioned on it, Urban Meyer initially doubled down, stuck to his guns, says his program says basically, you know, people need to trust that I do my own high level of vetting before bringing anybody in. And I tell you what, those are the types of answers that would fly if he were still coaching, I don't know, Ohio State, yeah. if he's the king of the castle yeah, on his college campus domain. Yeah, that flies. But guess what? The NFL, where no. exactly where you're trying to lure these essentially contractors to come and work for you, that's not the type of thing you're going to win any brownie points for. Yeah. No, immediately sending a message to all of your black players, your other, you know, African American coaches. What what happens there? You bring in a guy who's he's famous for being a dick. Like that's what he's most known for. All of his biggest headlines. No one's ever been like, oh, Iowa State has the best strength and conditioning program out of every college football team. You don't hear that. You just heard that their coach racially abused players. It was just abusive in general to players. Yeah, and it makes you really wonder where the head is at for Urban Meyer. Maybe these guys have a rich history. Yeah. Maybe. And even then, it's a, it's questionable to make this move. Yeah, but then do you want that rich history brought upon you on a stage that is so much bigger that you do, you know, you 
the way the money works in this game. It's not a college program where you're just going to get the money from boosters anyway. You you have to have a fan base. You're in Jacksonville. Yeah, a team that struggles to grow a fan base even when times are good. Yeah. So just more questions than answers here, and it's really concerning because you know owner Shad Khan brought in... Urban Meyer. Exactly. Brought in Urban Meyer to try and stabilize this yeah, franchise to try and exactly to build a kingdom upon and with him making immediately questionable decisions it's it's brutal yeah it's, uh, it's it really just throws a whole wrench in in a, in a grand plan well speaking of throwing a wrench in something ex-nfl running back larry johnson it seems has gone off the rails. Uh, it was really sad. You know, he was commenting today on Vincent Jackson's death, and it seems like Larry Johnson's just totally lost it. He's all about these cults uh, with their demonic blood sacrifices, and, you know, he was talking about... he When he, he retweeted the article of Vincent Jackson being found dead and put found in quotes and goes, yeah, sure, with a bunch of thinking emojis... And then breaks down a chart about how Vincent Jackson wore number 83, and if you reverse the digits in it, that's 38, and it does this whole thing about how that's a demonic number, and like, you know, just totally cuckoo, lunatic, bananas stuff that Larry Johnson's posting here. And I guess that goes to show you what the damage of giving a guy, what, 326 carries back-to-back-to-back seasons will do to him. The CTE is yeah. real here. I mean, people it, should be looking after this guy. Yeah, and it, it's really it's, sad to see. It's a concern. I mean, you know, we have friends who don't have the CTE excuse, probably doing this stuff. And but when you're doing, when you're a big figure and you're prolific and you have the NHL name behind you, you do have this kind of automatic following. And to see a guy lose it so publicly and the meltdown be so public, it is. I mean, it's genuinely concerning hope for the well best for his his being but hopefully you know he gets some help and maybe maybe puts the twitter away for a little bit yeah if he knows what's good for him because it's right now it is like i said it's not looking good yeah well one player in the nfl making good decisions is richard sherman as he deepens his involvement in the fan-controlled football league yeah, one of the teams he kind of quote-unquote coaches, even though the fans are still the ones calling all the shots here. Richard Sherman becoming one of the faces there. And, you know, I finally got to see some of the first footage here. They had some highlights with Johnny Manziel, some other stuff going on. It was pretty crazy. But that wasn't the only crazy thing we saw in the NFL this week. Indianapolis Colt Darius Leonard came Defensive out. Defensive captain and was very critical of Philip Rivers and the fact that he just chose to retire pretty abruptly. It's not usual that we see this happen, especially with the career that Philip Rivers had yeah. and the stature he has in the NFL. But nonetheless, here it is. But you have to think that Darius Leonard might have a little bit of quarterback abandonment issues considering the carousel that the Colts have been on since Peyton Manning really left. I mean, Andrew Luck got a couple of good years in, but he retired what some may consider early, and then to have Philip Rivers come in for just one season and then also hang it up, it can feel pretty bad as a very good defense to not have a quarterback that wants to stick around in your system. Yeah, I definitely see where he would be coming from, but... I feel like that's often the case. You know, you see great defenses with bad quarterbacks. How many years did the Chicago Bears have a phenomenal defense and bad quarterback play? The Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. Even the Baltimore Ravens. You know, Joe Flacco wasn't a world beater when he won his Super Bowl. And, what, Trent Dilfer before that? So it's not like this is a team or, or, you know, a trope that has been... That's uncommon in the NFL. We we see very often dominant defenses and rotating doors at the quarterback on the very same team. Very true. 
We also saw former cornerback Pac-Man Jones, Adam Pac-Man Jones, to be correct, arrested again this week. A guy who was almost most predominantly known for his legal troubles as much as his... Ability to pick off the ball? Yeah, I mean, he made some phenomenal plays throughout his career. Really, really spectacular plays. And yet, also, ooh, many times finds himself in the headlines, whether it's bringing a gun somewhere or, in this case, aggravated assault. He just can't seem to keep himself out of the headlines no. for the wrong reasons. Yeah, got to stay out of trouble. Yeah, and so with that in mind, I think it's an unfortunate time now where it's time for us to take our ball and go home. Let's hit the showers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Balls Over the Top podcast. As always, you can find us on our socials at at B-O-T-T podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And this podcast is available everywhere podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you want to find us on a podcasting site, we're there. Yeah, and if you could, if it's available, depending on your platform, smash that like or subscribe, or even just throw the link up, share it with some friends. We really appreciate it, guys. We do. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.